Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello there, it's Ayers on the Road. We're glad to be with you today. We're always glad when we get to do Ayers on the Road, aren't we, honey? We are, and we really have been on the road this week. Just back and forth around here, yeah. If we didn't have this radio show, um, you know, we'd forget everything we ever did. But this is this is like our our verbal diary. (laughs) (laughs) It is, and it's always fun to talk. You know what's scary though is how fast the weeks go by. Didn't we just do this yesterday? I was just thinking that last night. Before yesterday, Saturday again. Oh my goodness! Oh my word! It's amazing. We get these little monthly planner books we used, and we use every month. And I, I just there's a whole stack of them on my desk, and they just go by so fast. How do you how do you slow time down a little? I mean. Don't you wish time would go a little slower sometimes? Oh, Remember when you were a kid, you used to wish time would go faster? Yeah, I do. <laughs> thinking, I remember thinking, I'm going to be a child forever. I'm never going to get out of this. And then I remember in college thinking, I'm just going to be studying for finals forever. This is never going to end. Well, I remember and, just thinking, you know, that it's it's a year till Christmas comes again. That'll that'll be like forever, you know. Right. And now the years fly by. This is bam, bam, bam. Come There's on. Christmas again. The Christmas decorations are soon going to be going up again. There are actually a couple of ways we've found to slow time down, though, right, honey? Yeah. One is um, travel, because it seems like when you're in a different place, time, you get out of ruts, and and it sort of stretches time a little, and it seems like the days take longer to pass. That's a good thing. And the other one is being with grandkids. That really slows time down. Yeah, it does, actually. Especially if you're tending them. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, please Are those let parents the day pass. Ever gonna back. Come back? Um, it really is true, though. When you are remove yourself from a routine, time slows down. And that trip that we just took around the world was crazy. But I mean, and we did gain it a lot of hours. Lasted eighteen days, but it seemed like it was longer than that. Well, we gained a whole day by the end, didn't we? Um, I you mean, realize we we've been home. Hours and we've hours. been home for eighteen more than more than eighteen days. And it seems like we just barely got home. It does. Time is just flying. I hope that you are agreeing with us out there in Radio Land. But anyway. Well, we, a lot of you aren't because a lot of you are young parents and your days go pretty yeah, that's slow. Yeah, You've got those slow. little kids around. And, uh, but, I, but, Linda, I was trying to make a transition here, see, into grandparenting. Because oh. one way to slow time down is to, to be more active as a grandparent. Spend more time with your grandkids. Time goes slow for them because they're little kids. So when you're with them, it slows time down for you, too. Now, there's an incentive. Right. There you go. And grandparenting was so interesting. We had a, a speech this week, actually, in Ogden to about 400 doctors and medical workers. And it was so interesting. About half of them were grandparents now. Yeah. And um, they looked young to be grandparents. They uh, some of them did and some of them looked older. But, you know, it was really interesting. It made us, for one, realize how dependent we are on our doctors. We love our doctors. In fact, Richard insists that I go, my parents never went to a doctor. Never. Unless they had a heart attack. <laughs> that was it. You know. They only went when the ambulance took them. <laughs> and, and Richard can hardly wait for the next doctor appointment. He gets so excited. He just No, he it's not time. that I can't wait. It's just that I, I just feel like if you, you know, stay on top of things, right, you got to anticipate. you got to. 
nip things in the bud. I know, but <laughs> you're a little bit OCD on that, I have to say. Um, but we do appreciate that and appreciate the fact that, you know, the these people are aging. We're all aging. Whether you're a kid or not, you're still aging. That's another nice segue, Linda. You might have guessed by now, if you didn't look at BYURadio.org, that this, the subject matter of our half hour today is grandparenting. And we pose a question to you. Is, is grandparenting the most joyful thing in life? And without belaboring the point, the answer is yes. Yes, on most days. <laughs> on most days. There are really sad days. We've had a sad week with one of our families. Well, yeah, that's true. You grieve for your grandkids. It's like, it's almost worse than, we've had a couple grandkids had disappointments this week. And, and in a way, they seem like small things. But, but you know they're not small to the kids. And it's almost... It's almost harder when you're a grandparent because when you're a parent, you're right there and you can sort of do something about it. Yeah, right. When you're a grandparent, like this little granddaughter of ours didn't make the the soccer team and and she'd been on oh. it one year and she well, got cut this year and you just like can well, grab that coach and she, strangle him. She played a lot. She made a lot of goals, but it's a really high-powered team with a, a coach from Ghana who really knows his business. but He says she's too little. She's got to grow. And she is pretty little for her age. But, man, she's so good, and we're so sad, especially because every single one of the other girls made the team, and she got cut. Now, that is a killer. That's a killer. That makes you grieve as a grandparent. And here she is, just <clears throat> as a little bright light. She just has a smile that would launch a thousand ships and is so enthusiastic about life and Man, you get yeah. hit in the face once But at the same time, you have these joyful times with grandkids. We've got a grandson who came to dinner last night and brought his girlfriend. And he's 17 and she's 16. And she's actually 16 going on 25. 25 yeah. <laughs> so mature and so darling. They both were so engaging in a conversation. Oh, yeah. It was like we were having dinner with a couple of peers you know they were just so conversational and smart it was really really fun man that makes us feel old though because we've got kids in high school and grandkids a, a grandchild on a mission and and one in college and and another one headed that way it really is amazing how time but you know flies. what Here, here's here's the kind of launch for today's topic we we think a lot about grandparenting because we are grandparents and that causes us to think a lot about parenting because we're with our kids who are in the throes of raising kids. But we've felt now for, for a long time, really years, that there, you know, there's so much good parenting literature. There's so many books to choose from and so much online and so on. There's really precious little about grandparenting. I mean, there's some, of course, but it's almost like a new field. It's like a new discipline, a new skill, a new art form, grandparenting. And part of the reason is that grandparents live so much longer now. I mean, you know, just a generation ago or two generations ago, you were kind of lucky as a grandparent if you got to live long enough to be a grandparent, see your grandchildren born and see them as little babies and little kids. Now the norm is... You not only see your grandkids get born, you see them grow up, you see them go through school, you see them enter college, you probably see them marry, and of course that's going to lead to great grandkids, 
And the reason is that our lifespans are so much longer. So many um, baby boomers now, this generation that we're a part of, um, you know, baby boomers are now between 50 and 70 years old. And they have another 20 years, most of them, to live and, and to be grandparents and to be active grandparents. So the question is, how active are you going to be? And what is your model? I mean, we all had sort of parenting philosophies. What are our grandparenting philosophies? Bottom line, we decided a, a couple of years ago to write a book about grandparenting. And then the more we thought about it, we realized it was really two books because grandfathering, being a grandpa is one thing. Being a grandma is another thing altogether. <laughs> it is. And so we are working on each individually, a book. Um, I'm just diving into mine. Richard's just sending his off to press. And uh, it will be, it's just been such a fun exercise for us to realize that, that you can really make a difference in a child's life. And you can really make a difference in your your child's life. In other words, the children that grew up with you, if you can, if you do it the right way. And well, I, you got to be, re we've realized you got to be really careful. Yeah. I mean, you can get in the way. You can you can upset the apple cart if you're right. too proactive. Right. Especially if you're too bombastic about telling your kids how to raise your grandkids. <laughs> right. And, you know, actually, you, I can't accuse you of that. But sometimes I do want to put duct tape over your mouth because you say a little bit too much. I think we need to talk a little bit about what you can do to be sure that you don't overstep your bounds. I mean, how much should you say? How much shouldn't you say? When should you step in and when shouldn't you step in? Um, it really is an interesting thing. One time in a TV show um, that I was doing for women, a, a mother asked, you know, my grandson's being bullied. And I, I don't know what to do about it. If I was the mother, I would step in and do something. But they're just, they're not doing anything. They're kind of just trying to feel sorry for the child and patting him on the back. So what do you do? Do you get involved or do you not? Well, and I think, uh, you know, a good place to start, we're going to get in a little more to what we're trying to say to grandfathers and to grandmothers in, in a minute, maybe mostly in the second half of the show. But I think I like where you're starting, Linda, because if you're if you're a grandparent and you've decided, hey, I want to be proactive, I want to really be involved in these grandkids lives and make a difference and be helpful to them and so on. The first thing you should do, this is where I think you're intimating, Linda, you, you, the first thing you should probably do is have a meeting or two or a good dinner or something where you communicate with your kids, the parents of your grandkids, and really kind of set some parameters about what you're going to do, how you can be helpful. It's ideal if, if your child, if, you're, if the parent of, of these grandchildren, your son or daughter, uh, takes the lead and says, you know, this is what I need help on. This is where this child's having a concern. This is, this is my worry. This is my, this is the place I don't feel like I'm doing all that I should as a parent. Can you step in and help? When there's that kind of a relationship, it's fantastic. When there's the opposite of that, and there's a, a parent, a grandparent who just gives kids money or who just sort of comes on too strong and tells the parents what they're doing wrong and they can create a lot of problems within families, but where it's a coordinated effort, think how great it is to have 
three generations to have a, ch a child who's got caring parents who prioritize him or her and grandparents who step in and help and who sort of the one thing grandparents can be is sort of the uh, the, the, the champion of the grandchild, the one who just gives unconditional love, who's never judgmental. I mean, luckily, you know, we don't have to discipline the kids. That's the parents' role. We can be the encouragers, the helpers, the, the ones who just are there for them. Yeah, unconditional love. And I'm, that means no matter what, because we have had grandchildren here and there who've been a little bit rebellious and um, who've given their parents a run for the money. And, um, you know, it, I just felt like we did a lot more good by just telling that grandchild, you know, I believe in you. I know that you can do this. I know it's hard, but, you know, we are going to believe in you till the day you die because we think you're awesome. And just keep going on about how much you love them. That support, and sometimes the parents can't always be that supportive, but that support is so helpful. Well, and I want to say before we go to break, Linda, that you, I don't mean to embarrass you or anything, but you, I'm sitting right now as we do this radio show, folks, I'm sitting next to the most intuitive <laughs> sort of natural granny, Grammy, as our grand, grandkids call her, uh, in the world. I mean, you are just, you're, you know, you have an instinct. And I think a lot of grandmothers do. That's, that's one reason we're writing two separate books instead of one. So many grandmothers just have this inherent love for their grandkids that is so powerful that it sort of includes empathy. They, you, you sort of know how our grandkids feel. You sort of understand what they need. I have to sort of analyze it and try to figure it out. You just sort of know. Well, you know, uh, I wouldn't say that's necessarily all true, but I, I do love it that I can't, I'm in touch with them. Even though they live far away, most of them are on text or Instagram or some way that you can reach out and touch them. They don't read email very often. I usually have to send a message on their a text saying, read your email if I've got something yeah, too right, long. Yeah, right, or Snapchat but, or, or whatever. Something, um, Instagram, yeah. Whatever, but it is such an amazing world that you can stay so in touch. I don't didn't know my grandparents hardly at all, and so it's a great blessing. Well, let's take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to give you a few more specifics from these books we're working on for grandfathers and for grandmothers. Be right back. And we're back, uh, talking about the joy and the skill, the art, the science, whatever, of grandparenting. And we're not talking just to grandparents. We're talking to you parents who need to kind of recruit your parents to be part of a team that really orchestrates the raising of your children. You know, we went to a, a speech once in Colorado not long ago. I can still remember standing up in the mountains of Colorado around a big fire and uh, the organizer of it, who he and his wife were just dynamite. They had two teenagers. And, and they said, you know, tell us how we can engage our parents to help with our kids. They worked hard to raise us and so on. But now they're off in a golfing community. and They live in Sun City. They don't they, want to be bothered. They just said, we did our thing now. Good luck. But our we want our teenagers to know our parents. And besides that, we're really struggling with them, and we'd love their help. So it really is interesting. There's different. And then there's other grandparents who are maybe 
helicopter grandparents. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. They are there all the time and always helping and kind of getting in the way sometimes. Well, there is this that is a kind of a terrible saying, actually, but it's it's funny and it's almost true in some fashion, which is that the reason grandparents and grandkids get along so well is they have a common enemy. I don't like that. But. <laughs> <laughs> but let me let me say it now, as Linda mentioned earlier, my my book on grandfathering is a little further along. It's actually a lot shorter, too. We 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 one of the things we realized is grandmothers might read a pretty long, detailed book, but grandfathers, they need something pretty fast. And so mine's pretty well done. I want to I want to share a little of it with you. It's and then, pretty well finished. You mean uh, pretty well finished. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> correct me on that. I, I like the title we came up with Linda being a proactive grandfather. So it's about being, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. It's about who you, how you, who you are to these kids. So let me just share a little of the I say, I would like to dedicate this book to a whole generation of men, the generation we call baby boomers. There's 40 million of us in the United States who are all now at this time the book is published in our 50s or 60s or very early 70s. We're the biggest generation ever and the first generation in history to have an extra decade or two to play around with or to continue working with or to devote to our families and our relationships. May we choose well. And then what I try to say here in this preface is there's a little poem here I want to read to you, men of a certain age. There are a lot of us, guys between 55 and 75, wondering what to do next, still plenty of energy and more capacity than ever before. We're at the peak of our powers. So what? Keep working until we die, extend the routine, retire, find a house on a golf course, pull back, dry up. Travel, leave everyone and everything behind, start a new career, start over, take risk. What if we want a little of all these? But what if we want something more? For most of us, there's another option. For our effort and energy, our focus and our force, it's hidden in plain sight, right under our noses. Grandkids, little extensions of ourselves, legacies, growing up in a world that is harder and more complex than ours was, or that our kids, wa our kids was. They need us, these grandchildren, and we need them. There can be a symbiosis. We know there is delight there and opportunity, but we don't know how or when or even what. We're not confident as grandfathers, and our role is not clear. That's the reason for this book. Oh, honey, you're a great poet. He's, you have to know he's all, he wouldn't tell you this, but he's also working on a poetry book. He thinks of himself mostly as a poet, and he writes poetry <laughs> I'm, all I'm the trying time. To, I'm trying to change. I'm trying to morph into a poet. That was beautiful. Well, but I think that's the essence of what we're trying to do in this particular book. And um, let me let me read you the table of contents real fast, not because I'm wanting to share the book as much as because these are the things I think we need to try to be as grandparents. So all there's 10 chapters and they all start with the word being. So number one, and so don't think of this as a book. Think of it as the things that you might want to consider if you're a grandpa, that you might want to consider trying to be to your grandchildren. Number one, be their one-on-one -on -one friend, one who connects with them individually and becomes the master of active listening. Number two, be their champion. I love that word. One who 
gives confidence, self-worth, appreciation for who they are and what they can become. Number three, be a team member and a role player. That's what we were talking about in the first half of the show. One who understands that parents are the coaches, kids are the stars, and maybe you're a role player. You're somebody that steps in as needed. Number four, be the connecting link. One who connects grandkids to their ancestors and really tells them about their family narrative and so on. That's a great role for grandparents. Uh, Number five, as a grandfather, be their consultant. One who listens and helps them reach their goals, not your goals, but theirs. Number six, be an independence giver. One who finds ways for them to earn things for themselves, matching grants, way to help kids financially without taking away their initiative and so on. Number seven, be a secret sharer. This is my little thing of of having grandfather's secrets, little principles that I, I couch them as secrets so that kids really want to hear them. Number eight, be a gatherer. Be the one who pulls together the family reunion, who creates those fun times when families are all together and you're the sort of the patriarch or the leader or the one that maybe finances it. But you don't do it. You hand it over to the kids. Yeah, you let them run it, but you're, you're in the background. And number nine, be a financial facilitator. We felt like we had to get into you know various smart ways to help kids out financially, again, without spoiling them or giving them so much that you take away their initiative. And number 10, be a world opener, one who awakens them to their own options and and shows them the diversity of the world, maybe travels with them a little or at least shares your own travels and, and makes them feel more like they're citizens of the world. So you can probably tell by my voice, Linda, I'm kind of excited about this book because it's it's what I'm doing. You write your best stuff when you're writing about what you're worried about and what you're thinking about right at the moment. Well, and, and what you're passionate about. And what you're I mean, passionate about. That only about. works. Yeah. And you're so funny. I mean, this is a lot of detail. I, you know, I'm not doing that much detail. <laughs> I'm doing, at the end of this book, I'm doing recipes for grandmothers because, man, we're always looking for recipes for well, a crowd. you're being practical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is really important to know that, you know, grandparents can make a huge difference in the life of kids. And it's it's an opportunity instead of a responsibility like it was, you know, when the kids were young. Well, I, I think you get the idea that we're we're excited about being grandparents. Now, of course... You're not a grandparent independent of being a parent. I mean, that's the important thing. I think if you're a grandparent out there listening and you want to know the first step in sort of being more involved with your grandkids, ironically, the first step is really maintaining a good relationship with your own children, being a good empty nest parent, in other words. Because if you, and we do see this occasionally, Linda, we see people who their relationship isn't that great with their, with their own kids, their grown kids, but they, they love the grandkids and they're almost, they're always over there, you know, playing with the grandkids or can I take them on an outing or whatever. And, and they're not really in touch with their own kids. So the first step is maintain a solid, strong relationship with your own children who've grown up and now have their own families. Well, and out of that will come grandparenting. That is a huge deal, though, that um, so many people are writing in and saying, what do we do when 
not only we can't identify with our parents anymore, but our siblings are all fighting with each other. Yeah. And there is no way we can have a family reunion. I mean, there and and there are every family has somebody that doesn't want to come to the family reunion, I think, for one reason or another. And um, it really is important to realize that there are those rifts that need to be mended in order to really uh, go forward with with parenting or grandparenting. Yeah, you know, I want to I, when I was reading through that table of contents, Linda, I wanted to just go a little deeper on on this idea of being a champion. I mean, let me explain what I what I mean by that, because that's such a powerful idea, I think, to me. Um, oftentimes we, we give speeches for a group called YPO, Young Presidents Organization. And these are uh, these are really strong parents and people who work really hard at it. But when they have an event, instead of having a chairman of the event, they have what they call a champion of the event. And that's a person who's passionate about this subject and who really pulls everything together. And I think when we're thinking of our grandkids, it's this fantastic thing of how can they have one person in their life who's just all in for them, who's just, you know, if in, in your eyes, they can do no wrong. Kids need that. And parents can't play that role. Parents have to be the disciplinarians and the ones who set the limits and so on. But a grandparent can just be the champion. And we even divide it up into age. We think when, when kids are under eight, grandkids are under eight, just be their ringmaster. And what I say on that is like in a, in a good old circus, the ringmaster's out there having a good time, drawing us into that good time. You know, he's just, he's leading the applause. He's introducing these wonderful things and saying how great they are. Then when they're eight to 16, you try to be their buddy. You just try to be the person who just loves them and listens to them and, and thanks them for things. And then when they get over 16, you try to be their consultant. What are your goals, son, grandson? How can I help? You know, where do you want to go? How can I help you get there? That kind of thing. Yeah, it really is fun to uh, do that according to age because it is a different thing. And uh, we have a granddaughter who's far away in Hawaii at university. And, um, you know, all I can do is text her, but just to let her know that I'm there, that I'm thinking about her, that I love her, um, is just so important. And the kids living next door that are little kids, it's a totally different relationship. But you have to nurture those in order to uh, carry it through. Well, and what you're saying, Linda, really gets into my first chapter, which is being their one-on-one -on -one friend, you know. And, and you're so good at pointing that out, Linda, you got to You, if you're going to be one on one with these grandkids, you've got to do the social media that they do. <clears throat> if they love Snapchat, you've got to love Snap, Snapchat. If they're texters, you've got to text them and, and you just find out what they do and you just fall into that pattern. And that's how you stay in touch with them. It is. And it's an exciting thing. It really is. We are loving seeing our grandchildren grow older, even though we're growing older with them. But it is fun to see them as babies. We've got a little six-month-old baby that our youngest, and then this 20-year-old who's just about to turn 20 next week, um, who's in Taiwan as a missionary. It really is so fascinating to see the span of grandchildren as as you work through your life and 
Uh, I remember the very first time we pulled up in our driveway and somebody said, oh, we're at grandma's house. I thought, is grandma in there? And Oh, oh, I'm the grandma. Oh, <laughs> it was really, really hard to do. But anyway, we wish you the very best. Those of you grandparents out there and those of you parents, train your grandparents if you're not doing it well. And um, have a great time with your kids and grandkids. Families are where it's at, folks. And whatever role you play in a family, it's the most important role of your life, whether it's parent or grandparent. May we all work at it, and we'll look forward to being with you next week on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.